0: Sunday, May 17th, 1874, it's night time and Sarah Duckett, weary from a long journey, arrives at Church Stratton train station. She's carrying two tired looking boxes, one of them broken around the lock and she places them on the ground. She inquires about train times and walks off. A few locals spot her and she's a familiar face, but one that had been away for some time and they watched her as she strolls up the bank. This was the last time they ever saw her alive. Nearly seven years later, October 1881. It's dark, it's late, and local cider mill owner, William Roberts, is on his way home. He's been at a dinner for the evening, a meeting of rent payers in Church Stretton. Bleary-eyed, he's now plodding up the Road to Soudley, two miles away. Sensing he's being followed, he glances back and sees a woman, a little distance away, following him. He stops and waits to let her catch up. She continues walking, but doesn't seem to make up any ground. And neither could he hear any footsteps just the rustling of her dress. Every time he stops to let her pass, the same thing happens. William Roberts loses his nerve and he picks up a rapid pace to the top of the bank. Stopping to catch breath to see where the woman was, he looked back and was startled this time to see she was gliding towards him. She comes to a halt just yards away, removes the cotton bonnet from her head and holds it up to him. Stunned, all he could do was watch. This ghostly figure then slowly moved away, passing straight through a hedge and disappearing into a large mound of dirt known locally as the Copper Hole. Petrified, William Roberts turned and bolted home. When he arrived, He was as pale as the apparition he'd just seen. But this wasn't just any apparition. He recognised its face. It was that of a woman he'd last seen some years ago. A woman who'd famously and mysteriously vanished, leaving two boxes at the local train station. A woman who was last seen alive not far from the Copper Hole. It was Sarah Duckett. William Roberts woke with the vision of the ghost of Sarah Duckett firmly planted in his mind. He'd been thinking about it all night, and the more he thought, the more convinced he was that he knew what had happened to her seven years previous. The ghost had led him to the answer. He now firmly believed that Sarah Duckett had been murdered on that Sunday in 1874, after she'd left the train station, and her body had been thrown into the disused pit known as the Copper Hole the spot that the ghost vanished into. Not long after her disappearance, it had been filled in. This must mean only one thing. Her body is still down there. He grabbed his coat and rushed out of the door to spread the news of his revelation, and there were plenty willing to hear it. Word spread fast. The taverns, shops and the streets were filled with excitable chatter. As people heard his story, others came forward with their own sighting of strange spectres they'd spotted by the hole. Meetings were had and Roberts launched a campaign to dig out Copper Hole and discover the truth. But it would cost money and people were happy to pay. Digging commenced. The story hit the papers across the whole country and the world as word spread about this Shropshire community that had been whipped into a frantic state of excitement. Visitors arrived from miles around to see what was happening, and Roberts was on hand to tell all. He set up his own stall down the road. Gate and beer money was collected for the benefit of those digging. He greeted tourists in the manner of a showman, colourfully telling them the story of Sarah Duckett's disappearance and apparent reappearance before his own eyes just days beforehand. He would then announce All in to begin! before marching the party up the bank. On reaching the shaft, the strangers would gaze down into the large circular and ever-deepening muddy pit. The paper described how the gentlemen would peer in and shake their heads with murmurs of, "'Deary me!' The young ladies would approach with evident dread and craning their necks would utter how dreadful it was. Deeper and deeper they dug and even harder they toiled, But as the days went on, still nothing was found. Interest waned, the digging soon turned to derision. But just as the mystery threatened to remain unsolved forever, a new revelation showed itself in the form of a letter which dropped through the door of a local trader on Church Street. Signed by One Who Knows. It claimed to reveal the true location of the body of Sarah Duckett. The trader on Church Street unfolds a piece of paper that had just been handed to him. It had been nearly two weeks since William Roberts had come face to face with what he believed was the ghost of Sarah Duckett. In that time, the excitement in the town had built and reached fever pitch as volunteers dug deep into the copper hole to try to find the truth. But no body was ever found there. The trader starts reading. you will fail to find the body of Sarah Duckett in the copper hole. Look in the cellar of the toll bar. Examine the part nearest the road in the left-hand corner. Signed, One Who Knows. Armed with this new information, he went to William Roberts and all eyes moved to the old toll house nearby the copper hole and the search continued there. (laughs) News of the ghost of Sarah Duckett was still being published in newspapers across the country, along with reports of other sightings. An old man from the town was said to be walking home when she appeared and blocked his route, causing him to faint. <gasps> A youth on horseback was so scared by the apparition that, putting spurs into the animal, he never drew rein until he reached the village of Lee Botwood and a lady in the town had her nervous system shocked to the core when the ghost appeared through the parlour window. (coughs) The search at the Toll House proved fruitless, but another letter appeared. Delivered to a newspaper this time, claiming to be from Sarah Duckett herself. She was apparently alive and well and living with her husband in Worcestershire. She had no knowledge that her ghost was wandering about and was of the opinion that she should have been consulted before liberties were taken with her spirit. Hmm. With so many rumours and stories flying around, it was time for someone to investigate thoroughly, someone who knew Sarah Duckett, someone who people could trust to discover the real truth. That person... Was the rector of Eton under Haywood? <laughs> the Reverend Holland Sanford. Born and grew up in the area, it was his business to know everyone and he knew Sarah Duckett and her family very well. He saw it as his duty to clear up the matter and he began to investigate. He spoke to relatives who told him the last they'd heard of her whereabouts was seven years ago and that she was in a workhouse in Worcester. Well, he wrote to the workhouse to find out. While waiting for a reply, he took a seat and wrote down everything he knew about her. Sarah Duckett was born in Soudley near Church Stretton in 1830, one of three daughters. Her parents were George and Anne Duckett. George was a stonemason but died when Sarah was just eight years old when he fell from a chimney in Rushbury. Life was tough. His widow Anne sold part of her property to ease the situation, but in 1873 she died. Reverend Sanford advised the daughters, Sarah, Anne, and Elizabeth, to sell the rest of the property, and they did. Sarah took her £70 share and announced her intention to travel the world. She put £30 of it into a savings bank at Church Stretton and asked Reverend Sanford to look after £25 of it, which he reluctantly accepted. Sarah then headed to Liverpool, and after a few letters back and forth, all trace of her disappeared. It's believed she went to Australia on a steamer ship. Just under a year later, Sunday, the 17th of May, 1874, a train pulls into Church Stretton station, carrying home Sarah Duckett. She gets off. She's carrying two tired-looking boxes, one of them broken around the lock, and she places them on the ground. From his investigations, he discovered that four people saw her in the town that night. Two or three days later, she was seen a few miles away at Longville in the Dale and no doubt would have passed the Copper Hole to get there. But by June, she was destitute, and in Worcestershire, where she was received into the workhouse. (coughs) The final part of her tale came in a letter to the Reverend Holland Sanford from the Martley Workhouse. It said in 1876, just two days after being taken into the workhouse, she was moved to the infirmary suffering from acute rheumatism but made a speedy recovery. She was apparently in high spirits as she left the ward. She walked down the stairs with her bundle of clothes in hand and was just wishing the nurse goodbye... When suddenly she slumped to the ground. The nurses rushed to her side, but she was lifeless. Five years later, the Reverend wraps up his investigation. His findings are published in the Wellington Journal on the 5th of November, 1881. But one question remained. Unlike Mr. Roberts, who got to the bottom of the disused pit, the Reverend couldn't get to the bottom of where Sarah Duckett was buried. She died with apparently no friends or family around to claim her body. Nobody knew or would say where it went, with some speculation that it ended up at the local anatomical school, a terrifying reminder of why people hated the workhouse. But the truth of the ghost of the copper hole and the true whereabouts of Sarah Duckett's body is a story that to this day remains a mystery. One that will never be laid to rest.
1: got a pair of front wheels on the car, then those front wheels will take us where they want to go. And we just said, okay, look, let's go and see if I can find my relatives, any of my relatives in Shropshire, because um, that's where my grandma came from.
0: Brian Ragg is 79 and from Manchester. A military man, he joined the army in 1962, serving his full time before leaving in 1984 and taking up various civilian jobs. He married Marjorie and had two sons. When Brian retired, he and Marjorie had lots of spare time on their hands, so did some digging into his family tree. He saw there was a branch from Shropshire, the Duckets, and came to visit. This was in around 2008.
1: We, we, we meandered around in the different places, Leibot's Wood and uh, Eaton on Haywood was another one. We love looking at old churches, to be honest with you. That's That's really what it started off as. We both had the same
0: interest. He'd never heard of the story of Sarah Duckett until a man approached him on his visit. You'll remember in 1881, William Roberts was the man who saw the ghost and spread the story. Well, coincidentally, and somewhat spookily, it was a Mr Roberts who approached Brian and told him of the ghost of Copper Hole.
1: He took us into his house. It was very, very old, very antiquated. It was really a time capsule. He was, he was on his own. His, his wife had died many years ago. Mr Roberts told us about it, that there's a girl called Sarah, died in circumstances, and, and the, the ghost is supposed to still knock around.
0: He thought a little of it and put it to the back of his mind, until now, when I got in touch with my research and was able to reveal his connection with Sarah Duckett.
1: Let me just pull Elizabeth Duckett up then first. Yeah. K-U-C-K-E-T-T-E.
0: Sarah is her sister.
1: See you now. Was she married to Walter Lewis, Elizabeth Duckett?
0: Yes. Sarah Duckett, the the ghost of Copper Hole, is actually your first cousin three times removed. That's amazing, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. There you go. I've got a ghost in the family.
0: (laughs) Brian is a big believer in ghosts and he and his wife have both seen them in the past.
1: My wife was in the kitchen and she turned round and she saw a man about, she says, about five foot three, baggy trousers, belt and braces, check shirt, sleeves rolled up and a flat cap. A couple of days later she was walked across the road to the opposite door neighbours and, and, and says that, asked if anybody had died in that house. And the lady says, yes, yeah, it was uh, old Joe. He died in the back kitchen. That's where he used to live. And she says, well, did he have baggy pants and belt and braces and flat caps? in the room? she says, oh, yeah, that's old Joe. That's no, no, that's, that's him to a T. She says, well, he's still there. He's, he's just seen him. <laughs> she says, you can't be. He died about 20 years ago.
0: Brian's wife died some time ago now but he believes she still makes her presence felt.
1: So I had Marjorie's ashes in the wardrobe in the bedroom. I live in a flat. And on two separate occasions, I very clearly heard her call out my name. And it wasn't just somebody shouting Brian, it was somebody saying Brian in the way she used to say it. And I have a light in my hallway, which is plugged into the main socket which is movement sensitive. And yet on two or three separate occasions when I've been sat in my living room and I've noticed that the light in the hall is on and it shouldn't be. And the other night, about quarter past ten, when I was in bed, this light came on again. We haven't got mice and we haven't got spiders, so the only thing it could be is that in a few more years' time I shall go up to wherever they are and be
0: reunited with Marjorie. Do you find it a comfort that she gets you get these signs from oh, her? Very much some, yeah. Yes, very much so. I keep asking her to send
1: me a sign but uh, maybe that's what she's doing.